And uh, today we're going to kick off a new series called uh, The Bucket List. What's this, uh, what's this say? Religion. Okay, good deal. Awesome. And so we're going to talk about this this morning. But we're in a series called The Bucket List. But we just concluded a series called uh, What Happy Couples Know. And we could have called this, this series What Happy Churches Know. Can I give you some things that happy churches know? Now, if you were here for the what happy couples know, you're going you're gonna to recognize some of these. Um, if you were like, oh, wow, that's interesting, go back and listen, because it's a really good and powerful series that we did on relationships. But here's what a happy church knows. A happy church is filled with people that are in a submission competition. Think about that. This morning, we are a happy church all across the world are filled with people who are in a submission competition. A second thing, a happy church is filled with people who are racing, where? To the back of the line, not to the front of the line, but racing to the back of the line. A third thing, a happy church is filled with people who love one another, how so? Just as Jesus loved them. But a fourth thing, a happy church is filled with people who cast their cares not on one another, but on Jesus. First Peter, we talked about that, cast your cares on the Lord, sometimes you've got to throw things. And the last one, a happy church is filled with people who choose to see the best in one another. This morning, how do you choose to see me? How did you choose to see those, just, those moments? Like, where, did you find a, yourself being critical or judgmental even on what you just witnessed, right? You get to choose on how we see the other people. Now, raise your hand if you would love to be a part of a happy church. All right, awesome. If you didn't raise your hand, man, there's awesome churches in the, all across the city you're welcome to attend, right? But we want to be a happy church kind of people, right? We want to, I want to be like happy. I want you to be happy. Um, but man, sometimes that's really, really challenging to do. Um, here's, here's what I'm learning is a happy church is, a church is happy uh, when we can worship, when we can truly worship together. And you're like, oh, we just sang like some songs. Like the band did a great job this morning. Like the, the, the worship was good and we sang. So I guess, I guess we're already a happy church. And worship actually is a lot more than that. Is singing a part of worship? Absolutely. But that's not all there is. And we actually learn in Scripture what worship, what true and proper worship is in Romans chapter 12. So it's going to be on the screen. It's on your insert. Let's look at this scripture kind of as we dive into this series that we're calling The Bucket List. Paul writes this to the church in Rome. He says, I urge you, right? What does urge kind of mean? How do you urge the person sitting beside you right now? Like what's an urge kind of movement, right? Like a little push, a little shove, right? Paul says, I urge you. Why does he have to urge people? Because we naturally don't do this stuff. Right? Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to do what? <coughs> to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. Now, I want to take you to English class real quick, all right? Notice Paul says this. He goes, I urge you, because of God's mercy, to what? To offer your bodies. Is that plural or singular? Plural, right? So Paul says to us at New City this morning, hey, all of your bodies, all of you as individual, I want you to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Sacrifice, plural or singular? Now it's singular, right? Notice this. This is the whole message about unity. Over the next three weeks, we're going to talk a lot about biblical unity, how we come together right? And the way that we come together is by true and proper worship. How do we do that? All of us bodies, we come into church with our religion bucket and all the things that we understand and believe, right? And we offer that as a living sacrifice. I'm not asking you to die, but as a living sacrifice. So all of us come together as one. All of us, you with me? Come together as one. How in the world do we do that? 
See, in the Happy Couple series, um, that's, somebody didn't miss that in the first, the first service, so if you fill in your blanks here, what is true and proper worship when all of us come together into one? And there's actually three scriptures that, that, that kind of help explain this. It's not on the, in the insert, it's on the screens. The first one's in Philippians. Let's read this. Uh, Paul says uh, in Philippians chapter, what is it, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, he says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. This is an attitude of, of unity. When you do those things, it allows us to come together. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 11. Paul writes here in Colossians. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is in all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves, right? You got a jacket on this morning, got your shirt, go ahead and back off your clothes, come on, do this with me. Like, clothe yourselves, like, put it on, right? He says, clothe yourselves, like, you got to put this stuff on. Pastor Curtis shared... Uh, this past week in a devotional, he shared, a, he quoted a specific person, but the quote was, I'm going to paraphrase, paraphrase the quote, which I don't know what that means, but I'm going to paraphrase the quote where he's like, on your own, you don't naturally become holy. On your own, you go the opposite direction. So if you choose not to put this stuff on, so notice what Paul says. He says, clothe yourselves, put on compassion, put on kindness, put on uh, humility, gentleness, patience, like put it on. Like this, this um, <coughs> stuff is hanging in your closet. You don't naturally wear it. Like, you have to put on compassion. Some of you, we stand in front of our spiritual closet, we put on being a jerk, right? And you're just a jerk. Hey, look at me, I'm a good jerk, right? Or I'm arrogant. Or you just walk around with this chip on your shoulder. Or you walk around with this bad attitude. Listen, put on, Paul says, put on compassion, humility, kindness, gentleness. He says, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Like, if you're frustrated at somebody... Man, make it right. Like right now, if there's somebody in this church that you're frustrated with, why in the world are you staying frustrated? Go share a piece of cheesecake. Go get coffee together. Do that lady in the tramp thing and get a spaghetti noodle and meet in the middle. I don't care, right? Just figure it out, right? Why would you do these things, right? Forgive how so as the Lord Jesus forgave you. And over all these virtues, what? Put it on. Put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. How about a final one? This is my personal favorite. You'll see why. Psalms 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard. That's not as fun. I read it this week. Man, but it is good. It is good when we come to church and there's not squabbling and there's not fighting and there's not nonsense. Now, last series, we talked about happy couples, and some of us are still figuring out how two eyes collide and become one. And so, like, you may be a little frustrated this morning, because you're like, Matt, because we, we did the happy couples conference this past weekend, had an awesome turnout, a capacity in the room, it was fantastic, I thought. But a lot of us are just trying to figure out how two of us come together into one, and now, Matt, you're saying that you want 800 people to come together into one? I'm just trying to figure out how to not kill my spouse. I'm just trying to figure out how to do life with my spouse. And now you're asking me that when I come to church, I've got to be unified with all of these basic strangers? That's exactly what I'm asking you. That's exactly what I'm asking you. Is it hard? Absolutely. 
but we can get there. Now, I want to put the bucket list uh, graphic up if we can, Jamie, please. And I want to tell you what this series is not about, okay? This is what this series is not about. This series is not about you believing everything I believe. Please know that. Like, by the way, if you're ever at a church where you believe everything the pastor believes, run for the hills, You need to be challenged sometimes. Sometimes you need to be asked why you believe that and why you hang on tightly to that. Like, be careful, right? So this series is not about me forcing my beliefs on you. Number two, this series is not about you believing everything the person next to you believes. Point to the, look at the person sitting next to you and say, I don't believe you. Go ahead, you can tell them, I don't believe you. It's not, about, it's not about you getting your way. It's not about you winning the argument. Number three, this series is not about throwing away everything you have come to believe. I got, like, man, how many of you have been in church for a long time? Any long-time church people? I'm not asking you to throw away what you've learned. I'm not asking you to throw away all the stuff that you kind of bring in the room with you. I'm not asking you to trash this stuff. I am asking you this series to evaluate it. I am going to ask you to ask yourself questions about what's in your religion bucket. Now, let me tell you what this series is about, okay? This is why we're doing this series called The Bucket List. This series is about how you can worship next to someone who is a different political affiliation than you. Now, don't raise your hands. Please don't, right? But I believe that you can love President Trump and love Bernie Sanders and worship together. I don't know. Some of you don't know that, right? Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. Well, can I tell you, you are, and you do every week. Every week when you come to New City Church, there are people who have a different political stance than you that are holding their hands up right beside you. You just don't know it yet. This series is about how different political affiliations, how you can be Republican, Democrat, Socialist, Communist, pick something, and how you can worship together. All right? Here's what this series is about. This ser- and by the way, this is not going to be a political series because I will just quit and go do something different. Right? All right. Um, this series is about how you can value someone with different ideas. Like we don't all have to think about the issues in our culture the same. Like you might have different views on gender equality than I have. That's totally okay. You may have different views on what uh, adoption and foster and adoption ministry looks like. That's okay. You may have views on, on uh, speaking in tongues and a healing prayer and all. That's fine. We can worship together. That's what this series is about. And finally, <coughs> and you'll see where I'm going here, this series is about how you can identify the difference between your truth, traditions, and opinions. See, we all have these, right? I'm going to kind of use this as an example. In your religion bucket, you don't all have the same, it's not all just one bucket. You have truth, you have traditions, and you have opinions. And the buckets are bigger on purpose. In everyone's religion bucket, you're going to have truth, uh, uh, traditions, and opinions. And if you come in making thinking that all of those things are all the same thing mushed in together into one big churchy ball... We will never have unity. We will we'll just never have it. And you'll never be happy. And you will eventually say, I can't worship anywhere because I just don't believe what you believe. We have to be very careful. So we have what we call these three buckets of belief or three belief buckets. Okay, here's what the truth bucket is if you want to kind of fill this in. Truth is what God's word actually says. Without your commentary, without my commentary. It's what the words on the paper say. You go back and look at the Greek. Go back and look at the Hebrew. And like, for example, my favorite scripture is Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. We read that, right? 
And then we say, what does it say? And we go, well, I think it says, no, 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 truth. Just what does it say? Don't give me your opinion on it. Don't tell me what you've been taught. Just, what, just read the scripture and tell me what it says. And we can do that with all kinds of scriptures, right? Just what, just what, what does it say? Here's tradition. Tradition is when we, while we've been taught that it says. If you grew up in a Baptist church like I did, you were taught what certain things mean. Right? If you grew up in assemblies of God, you were taught what, that what I believe about the Holy Spirit or what I was taught from my tradition about the Holy Spirit and what you were taught about your tradition of the Holy Spirit are different. We have different traditions. Somebody else, like if you, if, if, here's the thing. Can I just kind of, if you're a person who doesn't choose to get in God's word, like come to eat the word if you struggle with this. Because if you're a person who won't read the Bible and you come to church and you ask me to read it to you and read it for you and interpret it for you, then guess what you're going to get? You're going to get my truth, which becomes your tradition. Now, I think I'm right, or I wouldn't say it, right? But if, you, if you're like, oh, pastor, feed it for me and spit it in my mouth like mama bird me, I will. I love God's word. But it becomes your tradition. Finally, the opinion is this, how you think or feel about what God's word says. How you think or feel. We are full of this. And what we often do is we take our opinion and we also make it our truth. And this is why we fight and squabble. Like, I know a church in Walcott, Arkansas, that split because they couldn't agree on what kind of gravel to put in the church parking lot. I know a church in Arkansas, in Perigold, Arkansas, who split over the color of carpet that was picked in the church. Another church started because of the color of the carpet. Right? Because this became the truth. It's crazy. But we do it all the time. Come on, we do it all the time. We make our style of worship spiritual. Like, well, God loves the Gaithers way more than he loves Chris Tomlin. And you know in heaven, Matt, that Jesus only reads the King James Version. Come on. Like, I know people that won't come here because I don't teach out of the KJV. Because I'm, then that, that makes me immature. Because it's an opinion of what they've been taught. And that's how they do church. And so if you come in every week and you combine all your stuff and you're like, hey, this is my religion and this is what's right, guess what? There is, I have zero chance, zero chance of being a part of a church that is unified. Are you with me? So we're going to look at a scripture this morning that uh, is going to help build our foundations. It's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 6. And this is what Paul says. So here's what you need to know about the book of Ephesians. The letter, it's a letter, of, we call it the book, but it was a letter written to the church in Ephesus. And in my world, I'm a church planner. I love to start churches. I love to start new things. If the letter to the Ephesians was the church planner's handbook. It was the church planner's manifesto. Paul had raised up these new church planners. They had been sent out to go do their deal. And this letter to Ephesus was to be copied and sent out to all of them. And this was the how to start and pastor a church from Paul. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 6, this is what Paul says. Now, I'm going to read it to you. And this thing that he gave us that was meant to unify us has actually divided the snot out of us. This is what Paul says. He says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. 
If you will, I want you to grab a pen, if you have one, and I'm going to, I'm going to help you circle seven ones. We're going to talk about the seven ones through this series called The Bucket List. There are seven ones in that scripture. Here we go. Number one, there's one body. There's one spirit. There's one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. And Paul says these are the things that are going to unify all of us different churches. These are the things, like there's so many different ways, but there's, 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 this is what's going to unify us. And what do men and women do? We squabble over what they mean and have a variety of different opinions. That is why this morning, as you drove here, you drove by Catholic churches. You drove by Baptist churches, Lutheran churches, Bible churches, Church of Christ churches, Methodist churches, Assembly of God churches, Presbyterians, Pentecostal, Christian, non-denominational. Like, there is something for everybody. And if you don't like what I say, you can go start your own church. You can do a house church. And you can read only the pages that you agree with, and you can ignore the rest. And because we take these seven ones and we squabble over them. And all of these different denominations are started not out of this unity, but because of what we disagree with. Now... This is not going to be a negative message because some of you may not know this. And if you don't know this, it's another reason why you should go to CityWalk, right? Last Sunday of the month. New City was not started out of division. We were started out of unity. This is really fun. So you get all these different denominations, right? And they all are different because they disagree on certain things in the Scripture. But back in 2010, three pastors from three different denominations a pastor at a Christian church, a pastor at a Bible church, and a pastor at a Southern Baptist church, they had struck up a friendship, and they're like, hey, what if we partnered our resources and our coaching and our people together, and what if we planted a place? And we're just looking for the right knucklehead. <laughs> and so Dan Sutherland, at the time, he's no, longer on, he's no longer the lead pastor, but he was the lead pastor of Westside Family Church, Southern Baptist church. Mike Bickley, lead pastor to Late the Bible Church, and Troy McMahon, pastor of Restore Community Church up in the Northland a Bible, a Christian, a Southern Baptist, those three guys put together resources and coaching and all types of help, and they got my wife and I to move from Kansas City, I mean, from, move from South Florida, Fort Lauderdale, to Kansas City because we heard the weather was nice. <laughs> Honestly, God opened the door, and we said yes to it. These men never told me what to believe. These men never told me what to say or how to say it. They never told me how to do communion. They never told me how to preach. They never told me, you know what? They trusted me. They had seen some things that I had done. My past, my experience had spoken for them. I went to a church planner's assessment, and those guys asked me hard questions, and I kind of did well there. And they just said, you know what? You chase after what Jesus is doing, and we're going to coach you. We're going to be like Bette Midler, the wind beneath your wings. And this church was planted out of there are three different places who disagree, and they got together. We were birthed out of love and unity. And guys, just so you know, I protect that with a lot of intentionality. In the early days, so when Jen and I moved here, we had the twins. They were just maybe over a year old, not almost, maybe almost two. And uh, we knew basically no one. It was just like me and her, and we kind of knew Pastor Dan. And over time, as we got to know people through a variety of different relationships, people started coming and people started staying with us. We had a core team. And man, believe it or not, like I kind of wrote this stuff down. Um, these people, I even started, in those early days, can I just read this to you? In those early days, people pulled together for a common purpose. And, and some of you, most of you weren't even here in those early days. But in those early days, there was a small group of us, man, and we were in a submission competition. In those early days, we were racing to the back of the line. In those early days, like it wasn't about like, hey, this is how we got to do it. This is like, hey, how do we get it done? 
How do we love our neighbor? How do we honor God with every... How do we make Jesus the Lord of our life? Not just our Savior. Savior He is, but also the boss. And then how do we love our neighbor as we love ourselves? Like, that was our mission. You, family city. Like, man, I'm going to... Every weekend, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to say, what is God saying to you? And then how does that impact your family? And how does your family change our great city? We're not going to say, hey, let's go change the city, but we're all going to be jerks in the process. No, 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 no. Get the speck, get the log out of our own eyes before we go talk about the speck in our brothers. You, family, city. And man, we did it. And we went after that. And over time, man, people just kept joining our body. Like I mentioned Jake and Brandy. They were here from day one. Jake's father, Greg, was here from day one. And, 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 and we, just, we just kept, and there were so many of us, we just, we, just kept, we just kept adding to this body, adding to this body. And so many people came. But you know what else happened? Also, a lot of people left. Over the six years that I've been lead pastor in Shawnee, lead pastor in New City Church, I've seen hundreds of people come and go. Come and go. And here's just kind of my observation as I was processing this week. The majority, not all, not all, but the majority of people who have left us, the reason they left us was not because they grew tired of racing to the back of the line. The majority of the people who left New City Church was not because they grew tired of serving one another. The people that left this church that we call New City, from my observation, the majority, not all, but the reason they left was this. Wait for it. Because I didn't give them what they wanted. Because I, because we didn't give them what they needed to be happy. The music might have been too loud. I said something that they didn't agree with. I said something that they didn't believe in. And because of all of this stuff in the religion bucket, I messed up, we messed up, they left. Now, I want you to be happy. Who wants to be happy in the room? Yeah, right? And sometimes that comes with a challenge. But I honestly want you to be happy. And when I pull up into the parking lot on Sunday morning in my cool Jeep, right? It is cool, right? Can't wait for the top to come off, right? Come on, spring. When I pull up into the church parking lot, I don't go, oh gosh, I got to go to church today. I like love being here. And I'm not even talking about doing this. I just love being with you guys. Because I get, anyway, I love being here. And I want you to love being here. But here you go. You ready? If you approach New City Church, if you approach New City Church, every time you walk in the doors with, what can I get out of it today? What's Pastor Matt going to feed me today? How are they going to take care of me today? Are they going to, uh, am I going to meet your approval today? At some point, the answer is going to be no, not at all. If, I mean, here, here's the thing. If your attitude, kind of, kind of reading through my notes here. If your current attitude with New City, or any church for that matter, is this, give me what I want and I'll keep attending. This is how church people say it. Pastor Matt, I'll keep coming here as long as you keep preaching the word. Now, they, it sounds encouraging at first, but you know what I hear? I'm going to stay here as long as you keep saying things I agree with. That's what I hear. Because they're, they're the authority on the word. It freaks me out a little bit, Right? Because I know I cannot live up to that standard. If, if your current attitude with here or any place is, hey, as long as this church pleases me and as long as I've approved, then I'll give you my money. But if, I, if you don't, then I'm not going to give your money. Like, it's not, it's like, that's not why we give. It's not why we give. It's, it's not about like New City needs it. It's because it's, it's, a, it's a biblical thing. You've got to figure that out for you. It has nothing to do with, did Matt dress nice today or did he stutter over his words? I don't know. This attitude of you think, if you serve me, I'll serve you, right? Like that posture, that posture will not allow you to be unified here. There are those of us here who are unified. 
Like, we don't have a disunity problem. But as people come in and they visit us, and as they engage this church and they're checking this church out, and they're trying to decide if they like this church, know this, that if you want to be a part of this family, if you want to be unified with us, it ain't about what we give to you. It's about what you do to make this place unified. I'm going to make some noise. You ready? I need you to dump your bucket. I need you to dump your bucket. Not trash those things. Those things matter. But everything that you believe has a proper place. And if everything that you believe has to be in here and we have to meet that, oh my goodness, can I just go ahead and help you? We ain't the place for you. Because we're different. We're different. I have, a, I have been raised and taught something that, man, if Jesus don't change it in me, you ain't going to. Like your Facebook post is not going to change my mind. And mine's not going to change yours. It's not. But man, if we continue to put Jesus in his proper place in your life, and we continue to say, what is God saying to you about this? Then you know what? I'm going to trust the Lord to do the heavy lifting. It is not my job to change you, nor do I want to. My job is to point you to Jesus. Our job as a people are to point each other to Jesus. Now, here's the thing. Whether you're at Merriam or Shawnee, Edgerton, or down the road at Loma Vista, this is a statement that I want you to get tattooed on your brain, and I want you to, like, like you are never, ever, 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 ever allowed ever again to get up on Sunday and say, I'm going to church. That is horrible theology. You are the church. You are. We be the church. So today, wherever you go to lunch, the, the church is there. When you go home, the church is in your home. Like, we are the church. This is just a facility. These are just walls. We are the church. You don't go somewhere. You are something. And Paul urges us to come together as a living sacrifice and set our stuff down so that we can become one. But if my unifying with you is me convincing you to believe what I believe before we can have true and proper worship, guess what? We'll never get there. What is God saying to you? How does it impact you? And that is what we need to focus on. Now, I'm going to give you some homework that might help you with this, right? On the back of your insert, where did my insert go? I don't know. Here it is. On the back of your insert, there are 12 scriptures, right? And if you're in the room and you struggle with kind of reading God's word, I want to encourage you to take these 12 this week. And here's the homework assignment at the bottom, okay? Can you route the homework assignment? Here's the homework assignment. What is my personal responsibility to fulfill these scriptures? These scriptures are all about unity in the body of Christ. And if as you read them, you find yourself saying, well, Matt needs to, and we should, and the church should. No, 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 stop that. Stop that. When you read these scriptures, what is your personal responsibility to see these scriptures become a reality? So you could say 12 times, 12 sentences, I will blank. Like that, that's what I'm going to do to make unity in the church. Over the next two weeks, we're going to begin to unpack the bucket of truth, tradition, and opinions. I'm not going to tell you where to put stuff. We're just going to talk about those buckets. We're going to talk about Scripture. And what I am going to ask you to do is for you to take that thing and for you to put it in a bucket that you can die on. And if your idea that Gaither vocal music or a choir or what Curtis is about to do is truth, have a ball. I can't change that. But I want you to place 
all of the things that we have in this in their proper, proper, proper bucket. Now, we do have one thing, guys, that brings us together, and that is communion. And Jesus took all the guesswork out of this one, I believe, for us. He sat down with his closest followers, and he took a piece of bread, and he said, Hey, guys, every time you take bread and you break it, remind, be reminded that my body was broken for you. And so when you take that bread, be reminded that I didn't give up, I didn't stop. And so from going forward, every time you take it, just remember, my body that was broken. Then he took a cup of wine, and he said, This wine represents my, the new covenant, my blood that's going to be shed for you. Each time you drink it going forward, just be reminded that it is what I have done for you that makes you right with God, not what you have done for me. And that's the simple gospel. Think about this. In a moment, you're going to come up and you're going to take some bread and some juice. And when you do that, what you're saying is, Jesus, it's about what you have done, not about my goodness or my badness. I love this song that we're going to do with it. It's called uh, Reckless Love. Reckless Love. And we've done this song several times over the last few weeks. In this, in this scripture, in this song, it has this, this verbiage of, uh, there's no shadow, he won't light up, no mountain, he won't climb up. I mean, God chases after us in such a reckless way. And so when you come to that communion table this morning, know that he loves you. And you're accepted at the table. And even if you haven't arrived and you haven't got it all figured out yet, and by the way, that's all of us, right? You're still welcome there because Jesus is the one who matures us. Jesus is the one who teaches us. Jesus is the one who welcomes us to the table. Now, if you've never started a relationship with Jesus, man, I'd love to pray for you today. It's not a relationship with me. It's this, I believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died and that he resurrected. And and because I believe that happened, I also confess that he's the boss of my life. He's the Lord. And I know some of you have thought it and you think it now, but I'm going to ask you a question. Have you ever told somebody, have the words ever left your mouth, I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, and I confess, I don't think, I confess with my mouth that he's the Lord of my life. If you believe and if you confess, Paul says you will be saved. Man, don't think it. Can I tell you what happened this morning to me? Greg prayed for me twice this morning. He didn't have to do that. The first hour, I didn't know he was going to do it. second hour, I kind of figured he would. But he didn't have to do that. All of those things, he could have kept thinking them and had, could have meant every word of it. But you know what happened when he spoke it? I got to hear it. What Greg doesn't know is this morning, his wife Anne is somebody who prays for me. She's, she's just kind of like a little personal prayer warrior for me. And I said, Ann, I need you to pray for me because it's been a hard week. She goes, what's wrong? And I go, I'm just, I go, I know that the people of New City love me because they tell me. And I think they need me because we've got four campuses going on. But I don't think they want me. Like, I, don't, I, I know they love me because you tell me that. And I know they need me because I, 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 I do carry responsibility here. But I don't think they want me. Sometimes I think you, you wish you would have had somebody else that would do those two things. And I've just been believing that lie this week, guys. And I've been arguing with myself this week. I don't want to believe it, you know, but I just, I just said in it. And for, for Greg, for you to pray that this morning out loud, God just used you to say, you know what, man? I want you. I tell that to say, I know some of you are thinking that you love God and thinking that you follow God. But is, does anybody else know it? Does God know it? Has God heard you say that? Have you told anybody to hold you accountable in that? Has anybody known that, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus? Tell them. 
Confess that this morning. And then go to that communion table and love the snot out of Jesus for what he's done for you. Amen? Be faithful. If you're thinking something to a family member, if you're thinking something to a spouse, to a child, quit thinking it and tell them. Lift them up. Encourage them. If you're praying for somebody, tell them that you're praying for them and tell them what you're praying. Like, Rachel, I pray for you. You need to know that. You don't know that because I don't tell you, but I do. I pray for you, right? John, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful that you allow us to do church in your space. Thank you. Like, I think that. I've never told you. Thank you. And there's something, we could just go on. Would you stand with me? And we're going to pray together. And There's four communion tables, two in the back, two in the front. You make your way as we worship together. Jesus, we love you. We're grateful. We're thankful. Thank you for what you've done for us on the cross. Thank you for your resurrection. Redeem us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.